0: Sit back, relax. You're on board the Daily Sports Express. We're making our stops on everything you need to know about today in sports. With your conductor and host, Jason Saltzman. That's right, I'm Jason Saltzman. It is April 20th, 2017. You are on board the Daily Sports Express. Oh, you didn't know. You asked but a call somebody! Yes, yes, it is April 20th, 2017. Good morning. Great morning to be exact. Gotta start with, uh, have been absent the last couple days, started a new job. Yes, I do work, I'm teaching kids over in China. 15 hour time difference between China and California, so I'm working a graveyard shift and uh, all my attention and time has been going to those kids in China, but I am back on your radio dial or I guess probably on your internet stream uh, bringing you the best sports news possible. Thanks for tuning in. I want to start with a story with Serena Williams. Came out uh, earlier in the year, actually, the end of last year, that she was engaged to the Reddit co founder Alexis O'Henian. She announced that in late December. Now there's information she's pregnant. Not only the, re- the reason this is relevant, is according to the timeline she gave she was pregnant when she won the australian open which is a major tournament in tennis she was pregnant when she won she hasn't played since the australian open january a little less than twelve weeks ago she pulled out of her next two scheduled events at indian wells and at miami she cited a left knee injury but let's be honest it's probably because she's pregnant so just in just She's the best of the best. She's 35 years old. Williams has 23 Grand Slam singles titles, which is a record for the Open era, which began in 1968. She broke a tie with the great Steffi Graf after winning the Australian Open. Crazy. Only the best of the best. That's what she does. She wins titles, even with a baby inside her. Had to give a shout-out. We'll start the show out that way. From a baby... To the end of life, while I've been gone the past couple days, I was awake at 4 a.m. teaching. I got a alert to my phone, something to do with Aaron Hernandez. I'm sure you've heard by now. He hanged himself. He was found dead, not breathing, in his jail cell. His lawyer came out and said it might be a murder case and not a suicide. It, how intriguing. And I read a, a meme earlier that... Can't wait for this documentary. And, and you know, Netflix or whoever's going to come out with it will do a great job. If it comes out soon, it comes out soon. I, I, I'd watch it. Uh, I hope it doesn't take 10 years. But the guy had it all. Him and Gronk were going to probably be the, the... There's never been a one-two tight end combination. And Tom Brady, the best quarterback we've seen, I don't know, in my lifetime, uh, was hooking those guys up. And as we've seen, Gronk has continued his fun-loving career, and boy, did Aaron Hernandez take the exact opposite route as much much uh, as Gronk lives life to the fullest and, and seems like he loves and is just a goofy, fun guy. Boy, is Aaron Hernandez the exact opposite. I'm not surprised if he killed himself. He was spending life in jail for the murder. Uh, he f- was found guilty three or four years ago. He was recently, just in the last week, acquitted of a double murder. I thought it was so odd, you know, to see some guy in court smiling and happy yet he's spending his whole life in jail and so Aaron Hernandez found dead a few days ago I'm sure you heard by now but it's the first time I've been back on the radio let's move to some lighter news The NBA postseason is in full effect and we're gonna start with the Thunder versus the Rockets it was a great game yesterday Thunder held the lead for three and a half quarters and just the Houston Rockets were far too much. They went 115 to 111. They were far too much in the fourth quarter. Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and James Harden really offensively tough to stop from behind the arc. Russell Westbrook was the story for most of that game. He finished with 51 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. I was watching in awe. It's the best single Perform. I mean, he is the most fun to watch since Kobe was in his prime. I know LeBron James is great, and he's fun to watch, and he's a wow factor. But I watch Westbrook, and no one's given me that feeling besides Kobe and prior to that Michael Jordan. In the 80s, I was a little man born in 1985, so I, I didn't really get to see it in Magic and and the guys prior. I'm sure Julius Irving was on that list. But really, Westbrook is an elite class with what he could do. He doesn't have enough help around him and and to be honest the Thunder are going back home and they can easily have you know win two there and tie up the series right now the Rockets lead the series two nothing Westbrook was not happy I don't give a F about the line we lost is what he said uh, in the post game you could tell he wasn't happy when he sat on the bench his team just fell apart Russell when when Billy took you out at the end of the third quarter I think you guys had a double-digit lead Uh, They quickly ran off seven straight points. Uh, You came off the bench. Did you want to go back into the game at that juncture of the game? Uh, I just was mad. Um, Try to get on my teammates and make sure they understand the importance of the game Um, and understand we can't give up leads like that uh, on the road. Um, James Harden's looked good, but it it wasn't even all James Harden this past game. It was a fourth quarter filled with Patrick Beverly, who's playing great. And just a lot of momentum. Back to Gordon. Gordon gets a step. Back over to Beverly. Sets by two. He- Patrick Beverly on a great pass for Merrick Gordon. The Thunder did make some adjustments. The biggest adjustment in the first half, I thought, was playing Doug McDermott from Creighton. He was traded to the Thunder in midseason from the Bulls, and Doug McDermott was the only other Thunder player that could score. You know he, he just uh, he was hitting three pointers and then they didn't play him in the second half. Taj Gibson got the 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 nod and Taj Gibson looked a little lost out there and every time he touched the ball it didn't end up being a productive possession for the Thunder. So the Rockets take a two nothing lead in that series. Russell Westbrook obviously that 51 point triple double wow. And moving on to the Warriors, Kevin Durant does sit if. Inj- you know he's uh still bothered by that knee and he should be back it shouldn't be a long injury if i was the golden state warriors i would sit kevin durant the remainder of this series let's face it the warriors are gonna win without kevin durant they're gonna beat the blazers without kevin durant last night they won 110 to 81 to take a two nothing lead against the blazers and give durant his rest let him rest first the blazers I find such an interesting storyline that if let's say Durant misses the rest of the postseason I still see the Warriors getting through the West. It'd be awesome if they did play the Thunder just to see even without Durant, nice redemption, I'd still my money's you know, I still would take the Warriors. And then if the Warriors have a rematch with the Cavs, which has never been done, no no two teams have ever faced each other three times in a row in the NBA post in the NBA Finals ever. Dating back to the 50s, never. Uh, I assume it'll happen this year. Cavs stud player LeBron James is playing a ton of minutes. We'll see if he can last, but they're just not that big team in the East at right now to take out LeBron and the Cavaliers. So anyhow, it'd be interesting to get that rematch minus Kevin Durant, Warriors versus Cavs. If, let's face it, if Durant's playing for the Warriors in the playoffs, I don't see how the Warriors don't win a championship this year. But that's why we play the games the last game was actually the earliest game yesterday. The Atlanta Hawks kept it close to the Washington Wizards, but the Wizards pulled away late, winning 109 to 101. Bradley Beal and John Wall, we all, you know, we knew they were great players, special players, and their Bradley Beal had 31 points yesterday, John Wall 32 points on 9 of 20 shooting. Paul Millsap led the way for the Hawks, 27 points. The Hawks were outscored 35-23 in that fourth quarter by 12 points in the loss. Paul Millsap did lead the the Hawks with 10 rebounds, scored top 9 rebounds for the Wizards. Going to be a competitive series. You expect the Hawks to take at least a couple games. However, the Wizards do take the first two at home, so they lead 2-0. I didn't bring you a show on Tuesday, really quick touching those games. The Raptors 106, the Bucks 100. That series is tied. That was a close game. Kyle Lowry hit a big shot with the clock running down under 30 seconds. A very tough shot. Shot clock down to under five. And man in his face, fadeaway jumper. And that was the game sealer. The Bulls, Chicago Bulls, take a 2-0 lead on the road. In Boston, they win 111 to 97, and it's real interesting watching the trio there. They didn't have an impressive regular season. They finished in the AC. They didn't make the postseason until the last game of the regular season. They had to win. They did, and now they have a two nothing lead against the number one seed Boston Celtics. Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo—all big names, all, all all stars at one point of their career. Jimmy Butler scored 22 points. Rondo finished one rebound shy of a triple-double. Rondo had 14 assists. I don't know. It doesn't look good for the Celtics. They are the best team in the East, so you can't count them out. But as of now, it looks like the Bulls might be moving on. And again, with that trail, you never know. And Miritic, that that big power forward, he's just a great three-point shooter. You have Lopez as the center. Who knows what the Bulls can do in the East? It'll be interesting. Maybe they go deep as an 8 seed. Clippers did tie the series in L.A. They beat the Jazz 99-91. I doubt we'll see Rudy Gobert back for the Jazz this series, which isn't too bad. That's kind of a big loss for them. Uh really too bad but um should be a good series a lot of the talking a lot of the experts had the jazz beating the Clippers in this series Then when Rudy Gobert goes down that really changed things Gordon Hayward had 20 points on 5 of 15 shooting not the most efficient Blake Griffin led the way for the Clippers 24 points DeAndre Jordan had 15 rebounds to add to Chris Paul's 10 assists again the Clippers win 99-91 Tying that series one to one, so that's where we stand in the NBA playoffs as of now. Tonight we have at 4 p.m. Game three, Cleveland Cavaliers at the Indiana Pacers on NBA TV at five o'clock tonight. Raptors at the Bucks. That's a, that's maybe the most even series of the bunch at least through two games. Uh, maybe the Jazz Clippers as well, but in the East at least that Raptors Bucks is very intriguing series all those games are going to be close and then tonight at 6 30 don't worry uh we know the outcome spurs grizzlies at memphis spurs are looking for a sweep they're up 2-0 and yeah they need two more but but uh definitely looking for that sweep tomorrow we have celtics at bulls rockets at thunder and clippers at jazz nba playoffs are in full effect So moving away from the NBA, we'll get to Major League Baseball in just a minute. I'd like to come out with something Dana White said just yesterday. He came out and said that he expects big, but nothing is signed yet between McGregor and Mayweather. No contract is signed. You know, they're still in negotiations. But to prove that the negotiations are serious, when Dana White, the president of USC, who's probably the one guy holding anything up, comes out and says, first, he he feels like he owes, he said this a couple weeks ago, he feels like he owes it to Mayweather, excuse me, to Conor McGregor, his UFC fighter, to make the fight happen. And then he came out yesterday saying uh, he expects it to be a huge purse, depends on how much the fight sells he says if the fight sells as well as i think it can well he says floyd makes a little north of 100 million and connor makes 75 million i'm sure dana white gets some sort of cut for letting mcgregor fight and breach the contract somewhat he went on to say feels like he's mayweather feels like he's the a-side and he should get more of it we really haven't got into the negotiation yet i wanted to get mcgregor locked In first because McGregor is under contract with me and at the end of the day does this fight make a ton of sense for me it really doesn't but Conor wants this thing really really bad and I've said this many times the kids stepped up and saved some big fights for me I'm in I'll figure it out so that's coming from Dana White Dana White wants to make the fight happen for his boy Conor McGregor and I guarantee you there's some sweet money in it for Dana White as well McGregor's biggest purse so far, at least disclosed purse, $3 million for his welterweight rematch against Nate Diaz at UFC 202 back in August. He remains the richest disclosed purse in mixed martial arts history. Again, $3 million. And uh, McGregor's going to make over $50 million to fight Mayweather. Mayweather has made over... 200 million i think it was even 300 million when he fought pacquiao so for dana white and conor mcgregor to think that mayweather is not the a side is a bit crazy for people to that say ufc has taken over versus boxing also a bit crazy boxing is a worldwide sport maybe here in america all the bros like the ufc but us real fight fans know where it's at we watch boxing The sweet science. Mayweather made guaranteed a hundred million dollar purse for his record-breaking fight against Manny Pacquiao in 2015. It was a guaranteed hundred million. I think he made north of 200, but maybe I'm wrong. Finally, White said, "There's no doubt about it. People want to see this fight. It's all anybody ever asked me about. I'm going to do my best to see if I can get this thing done. I'm not saying I can, but we're trying to. Trust me, they're going to make it happen, and there's going to be a cut for Dana White." And, you know, I scour a lot of the social media on fights, especially on the boxing side, only the boxing side, to be honest. And there's people that are torn. There's people that say, what a gimmick fight. What a BS fight. Who wants to see a UFC versus a boxer? Give me a break. This is a joke. The fight's going to sell. People do want to see it. And the fact that you're going to get a whole demographic of UFC fight fans who buy pay-per-view events, and you're going to get a whole demographic of boxing fans that buy boxing events they're all going to come together and that's why it's going to be such a huge event because all the UFC heads are going to watch it and boxing fans might say, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to watch it. Trust me, man. You're going to watch it. It's it's Mayweather. That's what we do. We've been watching Floyd Mayweather for the last decade when really there's no need to. But for some reason, he draws our attention and he's going to go kick ass against some loudmouth Irish mixed martial artist and it's going to be fun to watch and I just hope Mayweather's hands aren't aren't too brittle to where he actually can get a knockout because skill-wise in the boxing world he's going to be much better to give McGregor a little bit of props uh as a teenager he he did uh he did box and he did win a couple amateur titles and a, you know a couple teenage uh, so he did well but uh, I mean that's Nothing compared to a pro boxer, let alone Mayweather. So, anyways, we look for that fight to happen about September. There was a—it did come out a couple months ago. It was going to happen in June. I think that's a little too early, but we'll look for that fight to happen in September. Fight fans know that Triple G versus Canelo should have happened last September. It's scheduled, or we're hoping it's scheduled for this September. Who knows at this point if that fight will ever happen. Last show, I did tease a baseball segment, the top— 10 players under 25 years old. Let's get to that now as we wind down the show. This is my list. I've seen plenty of different lists. This is my top 10. Again, I could bring you much more than 10, but for time's sake, number 10, Kyle Schwarber. If you watch the World Series, you definitely know who he is. He came up as a catcher for the Chicago Cubs. He's now playing in the outfield. Back in 2014, he was the number four pick overall. And just he was injured all last year, mind you. And just five, he did come back for the postseason, the end of the postseason in the in the World Series. He played five games. He bat 412 batting average and 971 OPS in the World Series. Had some key hits in that seven-game World Series. Kyle Schwarber is part of just that young crew in chicago and if chicago can keep around all those youngsters they should have another world series attempt this year or in the future so kyle kyle schwarber 24 years old gets my nod at number 10 number nine is possibly the fastest man in baseball Trey Turner, center field. He came up as a shortstop. He is 23 years old. In 2016, he only played 73 games as a rookie. In just 73 games, which is less than half a season, he hit 13 home runs, stole 33 bases. He had a batting average of 342. He's going to lead off or bat second in a good in a good lineup in Washington. Trey Turner, at 23 years old, is number nine number eight the only pitcher that makes my list Noah Syndergaard he's 24 years old pitching for the New York Mets last year he had a K to walk ratio of 10.7 that's huge 10.7 strikeouts to walks he finished with a 2.6 ERA and he throws a fastball of 98 miles per hour Noah Syndergaard is my eighth best player under 25 years old mind you Guys, none of these people on this list are 25. This list is under 25. Mike Trout is 25 years old, so he does not make the list. There's a couple other great players that are 25. The league has a lot going for it in, in young talent. Xander Bogaerts is my seven overall. He's 24 years old, shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. In 2016, he hit 21 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and bat 294. He's pretty good with the glove. He's better with the bat. He's 24 years old, and he's my number seven player under 25. My number six player also went to the World Series, played a bigger part, if in my opinion, than Schwarber, but in a lot, losing effort, Francisco Lindor, 23-year-old shortstop. And pay attention to this this position, shortstop. Number seven, Xander Bogart, shortstop. Number six, Francisco Lindor, 23-year-old shortstop. Defensively, he's probably the best shortstop ever. In the American League, maybe behind Andrelton Simmons of the Angels, but Simmons cannot hit the way Lindor can. In 2016, Lindor hit 15 homers, 19 stolen bases. He had a badging average of 301 and a war of 5.7. Francisco Lindor, my sixth best player under 25 is 23 years old, Warsoffin Cleveland. Number five, Rookie of the Year in the National League last year, Corey Seager, Also 23 years old, also a shortstop. So get the trend here. There's some good young shortstops in Major League Baseball. In 2016, he won Rookie of the Year. He had 23 bombs. His batting average was 308. His OPS, 877. Again, Rookie of the Year. His war was 6.1. Pretty great rookie season from Corey Seager. Expect to hear his name a lot more. Number four, what do you know, another shortstop, Carlos Correa, only 22 years old for the Houston Astros. In my opinion, he had kind of a letdown season and he still had great numbers in 2016 as a rookie. He had so much hype behind him, 20 home runs, 13 stolen bases, a 5.9 war. And I guess last year in 2016 was his second year because in 2015, he did play 99 games. That was a rookie season in 99 games. He hit 22 homers and stole 14 bases, again, in just 99 games. First two years as a shortstop in the league at 20 and 21 years old. He belted 20 home runs each season. Carlos Correa is going to be a great shortstop. He's only 22 years old. Remember that name. We're down to the top three. The Boston Red Sox do get another player, so you figure the Red Sox have a lot of young talent. They have Great starting pitching, not as young, but great starting pitching. Look out for the Red Sox this year and next year. Mookie Betts, what a fun name to say, Mookie Betts. 24 years old in 2016, he hit 31 home runs, 26 stolen bases. He had a batting average of 318 and award hit this of 9.6. Great year for the Betts. Be an American League MVP candidate, and Betts comes in at number 3 of my top 10 Years old in Major League Baseball. Number two, this guy's hit mammoth home runs. He's had, I wouldn't say down season, but nothing as hot as his rookie year, although this year looks to be promising. It is Bryce Harper of the Washington Nationals. He's 24 years old. 2016 hit 24 home runs. Batting average of just 243, so again, kind of a down year. He did win MVP in 2015. Number one, it's a no-brainer. It's obvious he is the best player on this list. He technically plays third base, but he does get some time at shortstop. It's the Bar- Baltimore Orioles' Manny Machado. He is 24 years old. In 2016, he hit 37 home runs, a batting average of 294 in a 6.7 war. Every year he's been in the league, he's put up good numbers. He's great defensively. He is the... behind my crowd in my opinion. He should be the first base one. I don't think he gets enough hype or publicity he is a stud for the Orioles. 24-year-old Manny Machado is my number one best player under 25 years old. As we end the show, couple first few shows I did go over my top 10 list uh, Major League Baseball players of all time. And I do want to make sure I finish that up. I love to give shout-out to retired players. So really quickly to run down what I've gone through in the past, uh, number 10 made it was Ricky Henderson, who now has that Oakland Athletics field named after him. You go to an A's game, you're going to Ricky Henderson ballpark. Number 9, Stan Musial. 8, Mickey Mantle. 7, Hank Aaron. Number 6 on my list comes in. It was Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, just a class act. He played from 1923 to 1937. He hit 493 home runs. His career batting average was 340. Oh, on-base percentage, career, 497, meant he got on base basically half the time throughout his whole career. He is ranked 5th all-time in the amount of RBI he has with 1,995. He is ranked 11th all-time in runs with 1,888. He won six World Series, and unfortunately the luckiest man alive died at age 37 after giving this classic speech. For the past two weeks. weeks... You've been reading about a bad bad brag. Today, Today, I consider consider myself myself the luckiest luckiest man man on the face face of face of the earth. What a great speech. What a great way to feel about life. I'd like to end it on that. Thanks for tuning in. I had a lot of fun bringing you the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Furthermore, I hope a lot of sunshine is headed your way.